morning, church. My name is Caleb, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Desert Springs, and I am so glad to be with you uh, here on this high holy day, <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, so today we're continuing on in a series uh, called Walking Wise, in which we're looking at different aspects of the scripture uh, to give to us a, a deep and profound Jesus-centered wisdom for everyday life. Now, uh, we've been going through this series over the last few uh, weeks, and we've covered all different types of topics. And so uh, the, the, the series is designed to help us have wisdom for things like money, vocation, school, retirement, uh, relationships, family stress, friends, enemies, frenemies, marriage, sex, children, parents, and, and a- anything else that we might be discovering that we have issue with or difficulty with. Uh, let me just ask a quick survey. Has, have any of you ever experienced a difficulty with anything that's presently on the screen? Show of hands real quick. Now, uh, some of us are being nudged right now because we brought the problem with us to church today. And so we're going to uh, find, hopefully, a Jesus-centered wisdom. Uh, we recognize that for, uh, for many of us, we approach the Bible and we want it to solve our problems. For some of us, uh, we may have actually turned to the Bible because we have turned everywhere else and, and nothing is giving to us the solution to our problems. So we go to the Bible and we say, Bible, solve my problem. Anybody ever tried to do that before? And, and so, so maybe we might find a biblical wisdom uh, to address uh, the problems, but, but I have a confession to make. I uh, was under the impression that we were taking the day off. Uh, it is, after all, a high holy day, and I was not aware that I was on deck to preach today. So I actually just found out this morning and so, uh, here's what we're going to do, okay, just to flex. Um, I, what we're going to do is we're going to put the sermon together, and then, and then one of us will preach it, okay? So, we're gonna, I need your help. We're going to look at the text that uh, has been assigned. I'll, I'll figure out what that is here in a minute. And, and then we're going to work on the text together. We're going to put the sermon together today, and then I'll preach it, and then, uh, and then that'll be wonderful, okay? So, can I have your help in putting this sermon together today, please? This is, this is really going to be kind of an interactive situation. So, uh, but, but, but how many of you guys have ever put a sermon together? Um, maybe you've put, good, 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 good. Okay, so, and maybe you've, um, uh, how many of you ever put like a school presentation together? Uh, some, okay, so great. So, okay, you guys, it's, I've got a checklist. Okay, so let's, let's pull up the checklist. So, um, uh, uh, here's, the, here's the sermon checklist. And so, um, just the things that we need to be paying attention to. Uh, number one, commentary. So, we're going to go to the text, and we'll just have some comments on the text, okay? So, we'll just notice some things, we'll see what's going on, and, and then we'll comment on it. Now, this, you guys with me so far? Okay, so then the second thing, in, as you guys are preparing this sermon with me, the second thing that we're going to want to do is we're going to want a thematic image, like an image that just like pops in the brain, and it really helps the congregation like tether themselves or anchor themselves to the overarching theme of the morning. If you've been here and follow along with us, we've used um, some thematic images like we had a barn one week, we had a tree another week, uh, we had some scales the other week. And so we'll just kind of want to notice as we're putting our sermons together, uh, is there any like thematic image that we could use? Uh, maybe, maybe, we, maybe we could even have a drawing of it on the screen. 
Wow, right? Technology. Okay, so then the third thing is that we're going to want to find some obscure 70s rock and roll lyrics, and we're going to just jam them into the sermon uh, because that's the type of church that we are. The fourth, um, we're going to look for application for today. So, uh, so how does this ancient text give to us a wisdom for today? And so I'm going to need you guys to be thinking about as we're putting our sermon together, how does this ancient kind of strange text uh, apply to my life today. What are some ways that that can apply? Uh, and then finally, of course, because of the day, some sort of random football reference, uh, highly likely including the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, so just be, because we are a righteous people, a people of God, we're going to pick God's team to incorporate into the God's sermon today. Okay, are you guys ready? We're going to go through the checklist. We're going to just look at some text. We're going to make some commentary. We're going to have a thematic image. Maybe we'll discover that as we go through. Definitely look for some obscure 70s rock and roll lyrics. Uh, we're going to look for application for today and a football reference. You ready? Do you, do you need me to, you want to write this down? You know, something gives me the impression you're not taking me seriously right now. All right. All right, well, we'll see. We're really going to put this sermon together. Okay, so, oh, yeah, okay. So today's text is uh, Proverbs 13, 1 through 13. If you have your Bibles, uh, you could turn there. If you're joining us in person, you should have received the text uh, in a little piece of paper. So if you guys want to have that in front of you, if you want a Bible and you're in the room and don't have one, there's some available on the back. And for y'all joining us online, you can, if you don't have a Bible with you, no problem, just open up a new browser and go to Bible.com. And uh, as we're all putting our sermon together, we're going to use the Christian Standard Bible. But if you have a different translation, that's okay too. So here's how Proverbs 13, well, actually, you tell me, how does Proverbs uh, 13, 1 start? Well, let's look at this together if, for the first time. Uh, a wise son responds to his father's discipline, but a mocker doesn't listen to rebuke. Okay, so commentary. What do we notice? Who are the characters in the story? Father and son, and what is, what, who, who are we talking about? What kind of a son? A wise son, but then there's kind of this counterpart to the wise son. What's the, what's the mirror image or the juxtaposition? What's being juxtaposed or contrasted to the wise son? A mocker. Okay, so a wise son does what? Responds to his father's What? Some of us are being nudged right now. Okay, so, so a wise son responds to his father's discipline. Notice, and I want to be very clear, it doesn't say punishment. And this is really key. For anyone who is, uh, is interested in parenting, the Bible calls us to discipline, not punishment. Okay, so, so the, one of the recurring themes in the scripture is that parents, if you want to think about if your job is a parent, if you're thinking about your job as a parent, it's discipline. And discipline is not the same as punishment. Punishment is I'm going to make you pay for this injustice that you have done. Discipline is, uh, hey, you're getting on the wrong track here, bud. Come back this way. Uh, have you guys... Um, uh, ever heard of, and this is kind of like, oh, this gets so misused. Uh, 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 um, what's it? Uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. I've heard people use that. In fact, uh, I was with some of my, uh, some of our team today, and, and we were just kind of talking about like how that's been used. And, and some of, um, some of our team was like, yeah, that was used to justify the use of like a, uh, um, a mean stick, a beating stick. <laughs> Because the working idea was the rod is used for what? Punishment. However, 
Uh, and Amy brought this out, actually. I've never, actually, I've never thought about this before. Amy is super smart. And she, she brought this out. And she said, you know, um, you know that thing like in Psalm uh, 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it says that the rod and the staff com- comfort me. Because the rod and the staff are not meant for punishment, but hey, you know, you're getting off on the wrong track, okay? And so the, the role of a parent throughout Scripture is discipline, and a son or a daughter, right, is ready to receive the correction. A wise child is ready to receive the correction. Now, let me ask you a question. Let's just, let's just, um, let's just notice. Do you think that this is only applicable to fathers and sons. Might something be happening here in the text that is that we're meant as the reader to think a little bit bigger about, that we're meant to think more broadly about? Notice that the son is juxtaposed to a mocker. And while not everyone in the room can be a son, everyone presently in this room can be a what? A mocker, right? And so do you see the imagery and the wordplay here? The the authors and editors of Proverbs are using an image that's common to give to us some wisdom that's transcendent, that transcends all of our stations in life. So this is more than just about parenting. Maybe. I don't know. I've never looked at it before. You guys tell me. Let's keep going. Uh, By the way, remember all them problems we were talking about? How does this solve my problems? Hmm. That's interesting, right? If I'm approaching the text with, hey, Bible, solve my problems, right? How do I balance my budget? How do I uh, fix my relationships? How do, I, uh, how do I make my kids behave? Uh, doesn't quite fix the problem for me, does it? Okay, let's keep going. For, uh, 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 is this verse two, by the way? This is the second verse. Okay, so uh, from the fruit, oh, watch this. From the fruit of his mouth, a person will enjoy good things. Does fruit come out of your mouth or go in? <laughs> now, depending on how you're feeling, right? Roller coaster ride, it could be both. Do you think this is referring to roller coaster ride, fruit coming out of your mouth? No, okay, so we'll just shelve that. We'll set that aside. Commentary, we're just not going to bring that up. Okay, that's kind of just disgusting. Okay, so from the fruit of his mouth, a person will enjoy good things. But uh, treacherous people have an appetite for violence. I thought we were talking about apples. What's going on here? Notice again in the text, just notice as you guys are putting your sermons together, notice that there's a working metaphor here. There's some vision that we're supposed to have. Uh, What, uh, okay, time out. Historically, what things bear fruit? Like where where do apples come from? Yeah, the outer aisle at Fry's, okay? But before they got there, where did the apple come from? A tree. Notice, watch this. The person is a tree. Now that's strange. Could it be that Proverbs 13 verse 2 is using an image in order to drive home a deeper point? Notice. The fruit of his mouth, a person enjoys good things, but the treacherous, uh, but treacherous people have an appetite. Notice the wordplay. The fruit of the mouth 
and the appetite. Treacherous people have an appetite for what? They want to, notice this, they want to eat violence. Is there any application for today? A people who are hungry for violence? A people that are hungry to do violence. Hmm. Okay. Let's keep going. The one who guards, now we're back to the mouth. Notice, the one who guards his mouth protects his life. The one who opens his lips, notice that we're staying in the mouth, lips invites his own ruin. Okay, watch this. Does anyone protect their mouth? Now, I get it. If you're a boxer or an MMA or whatever, you kind of guard the face, right? But by and large, are you walking around thinking, I need to protect my mouth? Watch this. According to the Proverbs, protect the mouth from whom? Me. <laughs> it's, it's not what protect what goes into the mouth. It protects what? What comes? It's protecting the fruit of my mouth to make sure that the fruit is not rotten. Do you see that we're deep in imagery here? Have we had our problem solved yet? Oh, really? I want you to think about uh, a loved one that you've had a fight with in the last your whole life. <laughs> when we are feeling insulted, when we are feeling outraged, when we are feeling embarrassed, what kind of fruit has a tendency to come out of our mouths? Healthy fruit or rotten fruit? Is guarding my mouth when I'm fighting with my spouse a wise thing to do? Question number two, does Pastor Caleb ever do that? Hmm, not frequently. Okay, so the one who guards their mouth protects his life. You say the wrong thing to the spouse on the wrong day, you're dead. Right? You, you say the wrong thing to the wrong parent on the wrong day, they say stuff like, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it. Right? Could you ever imagine a scenario in where the wrong rotten fruit on the wrong day could terminate your life? Do you see how the text, it seems like, it seems to me, again, first time eyes on it as we're putting the sermon together, it doesn't it seem to you like the way that the Proverbs are working is not to solve our direct problems, but to actually give us a wisdom that's applicable in almost every scenario. Okay, so we'll just notice that. Maybe it'll end up in the sermon. We'll see. Okay, so the one who opens his lips invites his own ruin. The slacker craves yet has nothing, but the diligent is fully satisfied. Right? Yeah, okay. Right? Like, if you want to... If you want to slack, you're going to want. If you're diligent, you're satisfied. Now, <clears throat> watch this now. Is that always true? Hmm. It, it's not like a formula. Like, if you work diligently, you'll never go hungry. Uh, but it does seem to be a wisdom here, doesn't it? That slacking, 
generally speaking, leads to hunger or want, and diligence, generally speaking, leads to having a full stomach. But it's not, so it's not like a formula, but it is a principle. Got it? Okay. So, did that solve our problems? Did not solve our problems. Okay, let's keep going. The righteous hate lying, but the wicked bring disgust and shame. Righteousness guards people of integrity, but wickedness undermines the sinner. Interesting. Notice the juxtaposition here. Righteous, the righteous, a category of person. What do the righteous think about lying? They hate it. The wicked, however, bring disgust and shame. Righteousness, there's that guard language again. Righteousness guards people of what? Integrity, but wickedness undermines the sinner, the one who walks the broken path. You get this language of righteousness all over throughout the Bible. And, and one of the things that I think is, is unhelpful for many of us is we think of righteousness as an overly religious word. Righteous, just, just notice the language. It just means rightness. Uh, to put it another way, um, living in accordance with the uh, design of the cosmos as designed by God. Proverbs, I think, makes that argument. That, that there is a wise path, a what we might call a godly path, a righteous path, and then there's an ungodly, unwise, unrighteous path that leads to destruction. There's the tree of life and the tree of knowing good and evil for ourselves. There's the path of life and the path of death. And so righteousness is just walking the way of God in accordance with how he's designed uh, the cosmos. And if to walk against that path will lead to what? Destruction. Leads to death, right? It leads to being undermined. Okay. So one of the things, too, this whole idea of righteousness and sin and evil, um, uh, one of the things uh, that, that we, we just oftentimes take it for granted what it actually means. Uh, much of our imagination around evil and like Satan has been so shaped by cartoons and uh, medieval literature that, that we actually, for many of us, we actually don't have like a view of evil and Satan that's shaped by the scriptures. We have a view of evil and Satan that's shaped by modern media. And so one of the things, actually, we're going to do today, if you're interested in this, on this uh, high holy day of Super Bowl Sunday, at 11 o'clock, we're going to gather in here and do a little deep dive. Uh, it's everyone's favorite topic, evil, Satan, uh, demons, and hell. Yeah, it's going to be, right, because cowboys aren't in the Super Bowl, and I'm mad about it. And so we're going to talk about those things, okay? Uh, if the cowboys were in the Super Bowl, we wouldn't have it because I would be at home. So, um, <laughs> truth-telling. Uh, so we'll do that. So if you don't have a group to go to at the 11 o'clock hour, there's a ton of great groups uh, studying all different types of things. You can find more information in your handout. But if you don't have a group to go to, I'd love to have you meet me in here at 11 o'clock as we uh, have a delightful conversation. Um, really, it's going to be uh, mind-blowing and hopefully a blessing to you. But we'll cover this concept of righteousness and the righteous path uh, as you see it, especially laid out in Proverbs. Uh, so uh, we'll continue on. One person, I love this, one person pretends to be rich but has nothing. Scottsdale. <laughs> I know who I'm a pastor. Okay, I know that I've been here for 20 years. I know what's going on. Another pretends to be poor but has abundant wealth. Now this is, what, is this solving our problem? What is this proverb doing? It's just telling it like it is. It's a little bit weird. However, there is something about wealth 
that can be deceiving. This is one of those things where I think we're called to meditate on. There may be some of us who feel like we have wealth, but in reality, we're just pretending. And there may be some of us who feel like we're poor, but we actually have an abundance. It's this matter of perspective, and it's, it's almost like you want to say to the author and editor of Proverbs, like, well, of course this happens. People are doing this all the time. But what's the deeper meaning? And um, did you guys have your checklist out for the sermon? Any Credence Clearwater Revival fans in the house? Okay. Uh, Fortunate Son? This reminds me, I've never thought about this till just right now, but this reminds me of Fortunate Son. Uh, some folks are born, silver spoon in hand. Lord, they love to help themselves. But when the tax man comes to the door, oh, the house looks like a rummage sale. What do you think they were riffing on? One person pretends to be rich but has nothing. Another pretends to be poor but has abundant wealth. The deceptive nature of wealth and how we confront. Has our problems been solved yet? I feel like the application is going to be rough. Okay, so uh, riches are a ransom for a person's life, but a poor person hears no threat. This is fascinating because it says, hey, if you're wealthy, people might try to take you or something that you love. Uh, all these movies, um, uh, uh, what's the one with Liam Neeson and he's like, I have a set of skills and what is it? Taken, yeah, there's like 17 of them and it's like, buy an alarm system, Liam Neeson. Okay, so in the movie Taken... Uh, there's something that a a person wants, and so they take, right? They take. And I believe in the first one is they abduct his daughter, I believe. And and so they're looking for wealth. This is just plays it. People, if they don't think they can get anything from you, you're at less threat. So with great wealth comes greater threat. Do you see how the proverb's working? So uh, what should you, if you feel like you have great riches, what should you do? Give them to me, of course. I am a man of God. I will protect it. No, that's not that's just, just if you want to, but no, don't do it. Okay, so right. riches are our answer. This is, this is a, a wisdom proverb saying when you accumulate riches, you are also accumulating risk. Do you see it? Okay, all right, so let's keep going. Notice it doesn't say what to do now. It's not solving our problems. Okay, let's keep going. The light of the righteous shines brightly. Oh, that's interesting. I thought that the righteous uh, human was a tree. But here, what is the righteous person portrayed as? What's the image? A light. Oh, that's weird. But the lamp of the wicked is put out. Do you see the image? It's It's a lamp that's producing great beaming light. And another lamp that's what? Um, This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. We're riffing on the theme. So here you've got the light of the righteous shines brightly, but the lamp of the wicked is put out. Notice the language of light. Have you guys ever heard it said, uh, you are the light of the world? Jesus is riffing on this theme when he looks at his followers and says, you bear the light. Now, one of the things on our checklist was a, um, what was the thing? It was like a um, uh, a thematic illustration or image. I 
How would you guys feel if we made a lamp? Next time we see a lamp, we might think about this proverb. When we, next time we go, you know, that little lamp on top of the desk, and you can never find the dang thing. You know, like, is it on the cord? Is it a tap one? Is it a ding, ding? You know what I'm talking about, that lamp? Next time we go to that lamp and we turn it on and it produces light, we might be reminded of Proverbs 13, that the lamp reminds me of me. And I have a choice every day to show the light of righteousness or the dimness of evil. Every day, every moment, I have the choice to beam the light of righteousness or to display the darkness of evil. People are not only like trees, but we're also like lamps. And so maybe we'll have that as our thematic image. That sounds nice to me. Okay, so arrogance leads to nothing but strife, Eagles fans. <laughs> but wisdom is gained by, gained by those who do what? Take advice. Yeah. Notice the juxtaposition. A person can choose to be arrogant, or a person can choose to not do what? Not take advice. Notice the implication. To not receive wise counsel is an act of arrogance. Do you see it? Have we, have we solved our problems yet? No, we have not solved our problems. Okay, so let's keep going. It seems to be that there's this juxtaposition between uh, humility and arrogance, uh, and, and it's tethered to wisdom and the lack of wisdom or folly. Wealth obtained by fraud will dwindle, but whoever earns it through labor will multiply it, right? Ill-gotten gain. The, the quick buck um, will often dwindle, especially if it's obtained by fraud. Here, the author and editors are riffing on the idea of economic justice, which Oye Waddell did such an excellent job sharing last week. Hope delayed makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a... Oh, that's interesting. You guys ever heard of the Garden of Eden? What's at the center of the Garden of Eden, the central piece of furniture? Remember what bears fruit? Trees. And, and hope delayed makes our insides cry out. But desire fulfilled is like, it's good, it's nourishing. Do you see it? Did we solve our problems yet? No, okay, so we got to figure out if there's any solutions. Okay, so the one who has contempt for instruction will pay the penalty, but the one who respects a command will be rewarded. There, we just had that same idea with the arrogant and the one who takes coaching. Okay, so now we're, re we're multiplying the theme. Okay, so uh, this is the conclusion of the assigned text for today. Thank you guys so much uh, for the quick overview. Now it's time to put the sermon together. And you're looking at your clock. And your prayer life has just become exponentially more active as you say, Lord, brevity. All right, so let's go. What was our sermon checklist? Well, first, commentary. Did we comment on some things in the text? We noticed some things. The second is a thematic image. What was our thematic image? It was a... Um, it was, a, it was a lamp. Okay, so we'll, I'll see if I can find an image of the lamp. Okay, it's just real quick. Did we do, oh, of course, did we do obscure 70s rock lyrics? What was the song? Um, was the band, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fortunate son, great. And did we do application for today? <laughs> We're kind of, okay, well, we'll, we'll all wing it, okay? Uh, did we do a football reference? 
multiple. And it's out of resentment. It's not a place of righteousness that I bring this up. It's, so I'm working on that. You pray for your pastor. Okay, so... Um, it seems like it didn't solve any of our problems. The, making the application harder because most of us are coming to the Bible with an acute problem, a, a relational problem, a, a problem about a decision that we face. And we're coming to the Bible and say, Bible, solve my problem. And, and the scripture here, the Proverbs here are, are, are talking to us, but not talking to us in the way that we want. We want it to solve our problem. But notice what it's doing. Okay, let's start the sermon now. Today's text is Proverbs 13. Oh, hi, my name is Caleb. I'm one of the pastors here at Desert Springs. It's my delight to be with you today. Uh, today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 13, and there's one image that I want you to think about. One image that if we were to think about this image, we would be made wise. And that image, as you all know, hopefully by now, is a lamp. Next time you're at a lamp, think wisdom. Because each of us can be the type of person who radiates light in a dark space. Or each of us can choose to simply remain dark. We can choose to emanate light and life, or we can choose dark. Every path that we can choose, there is the path that leads to life and light, God's path, the path laid out in front of us. And there's also a path that ultimately leads to darkness. Each of us have choices to make, day by day, moment by moment. Which path will we go down? And here's the deal. Do you know, this is crazy, do you know that the Bible rarely speaks directly to our problems? The problems that we bring to the Bible, the Bible rarely directly addresses. I mean, unless you're going to the Bible and you're like, should I murder this person? No. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so how does the scripture work? Ah, notice what it's doing to us. It's inviting us to meditate deeply on the nature of wisdom. Wisdom simply being the God-guided capacity to choose the path of light day by day, moment by moment, to choose the way that God wants to lead, to choose the path of wisdom. But it doesn't tell us exactly what to do. Rather, it works on us shaping us into the type of person who chooses wisely. You see, the scriptures do not want to give you the answer to the acute problem that you bring to the text. The Holy Spirit, through the scripture, is trying to shape you into the type of person that no matter what the question is, the wise path becomes clear. To become wise is not to have the Bible solve all your problems, but to work on you and make you more and more into the type of person who chooses the path of light. Now, for some of us, we might be thinking, oh my goodness, how do we get the power to do that? It's an excellent question. The Apostle Paul was riffing on this idea and meditating on it, and he saw something that I think is absolutely revolutionary. In every pathway, there's a wise and an unwise there's a righteous and an unrighteous. And sometimes it's really difficult to discern which path we should go down. And what Paul says in 1 Corinthians is he said, Jesus Christ is not only the power of God, but is also what? 
the wisdom of God, which means that it is, that the wise path is following the Jesus path. Jesus said, follow me, I am the way. And so in each decision we face, we can choose to be the bright lamp, the righteous light, by choosing the path of light and life, the path of Jesus. Or we can choose contrary to that path. Now here's the deal, friends. When we find ourselves having chosen the broken path, the path of unrighteousness, the path of darkness, do you know that Jesus is so good? He says things like this. Repent. And here's what repentance means. It's going down the unwise, the broken, the evil path. And repentance is this. You ready? It's turning. But turning where? Turning back towards whom? Jesus. And do you know, this is so great. Jesus is awesome. Do you know how many times he says that he will receive us back? Every time. There is no broken path that is too far gone. Jesus calls out and says, follow me. To whom? To anyone and everyone. And who does Jesus receive in? Anyone who turns to him. Walking the path of wisdom is walking the Jesus path. And when we find ourselves walking the broken path, he gives to us the power and the wisdom to turn back. Just as the light that has been turned off can be turned on again, so too we can turn from evil and turn to him. And so let us be a people who choose the path of light day by day and moment by moment. The scriptures, by and large, are not giving us direct answers to the questions that we're asking. But the scriptures, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are shaping us into the type of people that are wise. And the ultimate power and wisdom is found in Jesus. To put it another way, true wisdom is to look like Jesus in our actions, our attitudes, and our decisions, and our directions to be like him. And this is what Jesus consistently calls us to, to not only follow him, but to allow the Spirit of God to make us into his image. Uh, The song we sang uh, a moment ago, Build Your Church, you guys remember that song? That idea of God building his church is not about a building, it's about shaping a people into his image more and more into the image of God. That is what it means for him to build his church. And so I'm going to pray, and then Danny's going to come out, and we're going to sing that one more refrain as a prayer that God would continue to shape his church into his image. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for the power and the wisdom that rests in you and your being. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue by the power of your spirit to guide us day by day, moment by moment, down the path of righteousness, the path of light and life, the path, Jesus, that you have set out for us. And spirit of the living God, we ask that you would continue to show us what it means to choose that path. 
that you would give to us a deep and profound Jesus-centered wisdom that we might be a people who reflect and mirror you in every action and attitude, every conversation, every direction, and every choice. Jesus, we pray these things knowing that you love us and you're powerful to bring them about, and so we entrust ourselves into your care. It's in your name we pray. Amen.